Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 3-0 Take, where we talk all things Major League Baseball. Here's Kyle Corwin and Nate Reyes. It all starts right now. Welcome back to the 3-0 Take. This is episode 170. I'll be your host, Kyle Corwin. I'm here with my co-host, Nate Reyes. Nate. What up, my man? How you doing? 170. Doing well. Cranking them out. Cranking them out. We are just trucking along. And boy, do we have an episode on deck. I mean, it's just, you're just welcome. That's all I'm going to say. Everybody, you're just, you're welcome for us busting this out. I mean, it's, it's no big deal. It's no big thing. I mean, you and I hopped off our call last week with Greg and we were both in agreement that, uh, safe to say, probably our favorite interview. Definitely the favorite. I mean, it's like what are, I think it was over an hour, right? So brace yourselves, everyone. Plan your yeah, day accordingly. Yeah. For those of you tuning in, just just hang with us. We got a lot for you. <laughs> we we got a lot for you today. A lot. Yeah. But we are in the process of hopefully we say this all the time, off air. Nate and I have been talking about this forever. All the time. Hopefully in the transition process of Shortening the episodes a little bit, cutting it down, and possibly getting back into two week. I know it's a little early. We usually uh, try to get into that once the regular season starts, but maybe try to get into that a little early, like I said. So we're going to, I mean, Nate and I were talking about it. We're going to try to go out with a bang here before we get to that point. We're going to give you, we're coming at you guns blazing. With yeah, it's just a marathon here. Just, we got all sorts of goodies. Um, but honestly, the way... Then we'll dive into it a little bit more in a sec. But the way Greg talks is so casual and it's so much just you are sitting down having a beer with him just chilling. He's just it's that way. That's the way he comes off to us. That's the way he's going to come off to you guys. And the hour doesn't even feel like an hour. So don't complain that much. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was kind of up in the air about it, but I think it's safe to say easy, easy, easily our favorite interview. So yeah, he's awesome. no doubt there. You guys will love it. Uh, before we get to that, we got some things to take care of. We got some some logistical things to cover. We got baseball history. We got some league news. Uh, the Liam Hendricks signing. Our guy Liam Our guy Hendricks getting his bag. It's crazy what happens when you come on the pod. Uh, Rob Manfred coming out and saying, "Hey, we're gonna start the season on time." Once your guy starts to back him, okay, all okay. right. Okay, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't credit it to that. I don't um, know. It's an awfully starting the season. No, we'll uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, starting the season on time. Fans at games also possibility, yeah. looking more and more like a a realistic possibility at that. Uh, and then, like I said, we got our incredible interview with Greg Amsinger of MLB Network. So Nate, lead us off here with baseball history, January thirteenth. Yeah, yeah. January 13th, 1922, Buck Weaver applies unsuccessfully for reinstatement in professional baseball, one of six attempts to clear his name. The Black Sox infielder remained banned for life due to allegations of throwing the 1919 World Series to the Reds, although he batted 324 and played errorless ball in the Fall Classic. I like how they add in, like, although he was a stud. It doesn't I mean, matter, it's bro. It's relevant. It's relevant. I, like you're not just, you're not banning for life a no name. You're you're a part of the crowd here. You're part of the group who just smeared 
honestly the sport. I was curious. Imagine back in the 20s. You said 22, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it was my assumption that he was tied into that that scandal, but I wanted to make sure. So I'm glad you mentioned it because I was like, if this was like a rookie or some like second year guy, it's like random guy we didn't care about. Yeah, it's like <laughs> what did he do? Like the Black Sox attempts just seemed, though. Yeah, that's that's a lot. That's a lot. Um, like the Pete Rose of the 1900s. Yeah, big time. Poor guy. Uh, fast forwarding all the way up to 2006, I did not know this was a thing. Legal proceedings begin to determine if Arte Moreno violated a 10-year-old contract that Anaheim claims to have lost $100 million in tourism and merchandising revenue due to the owner changing the name from Anaheim Angels to Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Some of the people in the crowded courtroom for much-anticipated trial for the much-anticipated trial, where angel-colored red t-shirts imprinted with the words, We are not L.A. To show, to show their displeasure with the Halo's new identity. I didn't know this was like that big of a legal matter. Yeah, I had no idea. And for the record, Anaheim Angels is leaps and bounds better than California, Los Angeles, Angels yeah, of Anaheim. It's of- a nightmare. LA. No. Anaheim Angels. Anaheim Angels. Oh my gosh. And also bring back the throwback jerseys like on a permanent basis, please. Swaggy. Like, come on. Come Big on. swaggy. The, like the Jim Edmonds days. Yes. Yes. With the the gray vests with the pinstripes. Yes. Just fire. That whole that whole scheme. Just bring it all back. Yeah, fire. Um All right. Well, I mean, you might get a little mad at me here cuz like the page kind of cut off my favorite one. Halfway through, but you'll get the idea. I don't know why it cut it off. I didn't even see that before. We're going to go all the way to last year, 2020. I mean, Major League Baseball suspends Astros general manager Jeff Lunau and skipper AJ Hinch this season without pay for their roles in Houston's sign stealing scheme with team owner Jim Crane firing both men. An hour later. Wow. Happy Astro Suspension Happy anniversary, Day, everybody. Happy anniversary, guys. Oh, my goodness. Fantastic Has stuff. it already been a year? Wow. One year. Do you remember where you were when it happened? Uh, Pretty sure I was... No, I don't. I have no idea. Do you? I was in the croutons aisle of Walmart. <laughs> it's not the crouton aisle, but... I remember that I was like near croutons, whatever aisle that is. Is that the international aisle, the Italian aisle? I don't know. <laughs> That's where I was, and I got the notification. I was like, "Why? Well, Why do you remember a- that? Th- because that that's history, man." We just were wanna- you too flustered to figure out which croutons you wanted? Don't ask me about my culinary <laughs> taste. You already know about them. Uh, no, I'm impressed was- that you're a crouton guy. Honestly, I'm I wouldn't have expected guy. you to be. Uh, but I remember standing there. I was like, "Well, this is a." terrible time to be away from my computer and photoshop because this is only gonna yeah that's fair that's fair you would know like you being able to post that you would know where you were to be able to immediately drop it i mean i i don't know i think uh, it's just ridiculous bro that this year and i still it, it, it hasn't it's still a bad taste in my mouth it hasn't left i still hate them yeah, how, let, let's that. check in on that. How do you feel about it? I mean, a year later from the suspension, as you just alluded to, 
has not how, changed. How do you how do you feel heading into 2021 in terms of the the hate that you think they'll get on the field if there's I think it'll carry over. I truly have faith in baseball fans everywhere that it will carry into I th- I think one it's not going to we're not going on a limb by saying 2021 will bring arguably the most passion out of fans that we've seen yes probably since 2001 Great you know point. what i mean Great where we point. had a hiatus against you know any sports or any events really going on for a while after that there was just this raw passion and it's in a different way it's not going to be the same way in 2021 but it is this like we've been laid off and we're just so ready to be out and be fans again that I think it's just going to ooze out of us whenever we see an Astros team, wherever they are in the country. It's just going to dump all over. That's a great And point. we're going to lower our mask and just give the deepest, darkest boo that we can find. I mean, here we were sitting on the, the front side before all this uh, 2020 baseball action took place. We're sitting there going, you know what, the Astros might have, skated through this pretty easily i know we were kind of thinking that at first now that you make the point of all this pent-up passion and in terms of the astros aggression and just added hate uh, maybe there maybe it's not the better situation for them the fact that they were able to skate through 2020 2021 is not looking great for the astros just remember how hot they were just during spring training last year they were so salty coming out with statements. Mm. Just wait. It's going to be so glorious. I love uh, it. You know what else I love, Nate? Our guy, Liam Hendricks, getting the bag. Well-deserved. Getting the bag. It's cre- Like I said, it's, it's incredible what happens when you come on the 3-0 take. Liam Hendricks, a three-year, $54 million deal with an option for the fourth year. That, my friend, is a record AAV for a relief pitcher. I'm super excited for him. Super excited for him. First of all, as a human being, if you guys haven't listened to the episode yet, go back and listen to it. You, can, you can't help but be a Liam Hendricks fan once you hear any conversation or interview from him. The dude is just gold. Down-to-earth gold. And the fact that he comes out and just shoves, it's just a bonus. Yeah. When people say there's a flip to switch. Oh, he's, it's a different, it's a different beast. That guy's totally chill. Switch to flip, flip to switch, switch to flip. Flip the switch? Switch to flip. When there's a switch switch to flip. Flip Flip of the switch. When there's a flip of the switch. (laughs) Oh, how the turntables. Catch you on the flippity flip. When there is a switch to flip, Liam Hendricks lives up to that. Like the dude, you would if if you go back and listen to that episode, you would have no idea no. that this is the guy that is legitimately screaming on a baseball field yeah, when there are zero fans in the stadium. Yeah, he doesn't care. Yeah, Huge I love fan. it. I love this guy, and I, I mean, we we talked about it last week of like. How can we find a team to kind of pull us under our wing and be like a secondary fan for? 
I'm I'm all on board in Chicago. I'm sorry, bro. Didn't we already talk about this? Out. Yeah, I was about to. Say. I know it's a cop out, and I don't care because I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna try and root for like the Mariners or whatever. I'm all on board for the White Sox. You've already decided that's your team. That are you, is are my you going team. out there right now and saying that that is your team? 100% on board, and I will do my best to watch all their games. All right. I'm going to hold you to that. MLB board. TV is going to be rocking on multiple screens, and I will have the White Sox going. We are, we are going to be following up with you on that, my friend, and listeners I, to, and myself. I'm, I'm, I think I'm in the minority here, very much so in the minority. I could not stand their commentator. Hawk or whatever his name was, who finally retired, I could not stand that dude. He drove me insane. And I know he's like the one of the most famous commentators to have. I, I don't care. He drove me crazy. I, I couldn't stand him. So the fact that they have somebody new, much better. feel much better about this. Yeah, so I mean, our guy Liam, like I said, just get in the bag. Coming out from a 2020 season where he won AL Reliever of the Year, uh, just lit it up on the mound. Um, I love this fit, mm-hmm. and I can't blame you for picking the White Sox as your secondary team because they're gonna be fun to watch. They're gonna be. They're just gonna dominate even, that division. Even even with a confusing eyebrow raising selection of Tony LaRusa as the manager. I don't think it I don't think it matters. I still think it's going to be a fun team to watch. I think you could put a cardboard cutout of Tony LaRusa in as the manager in the dugout and it wouldn't matter. This team is rolling already. They already have the momentum. I mean, I'm seeing conversations about are they the best team in the American League right now? Because they were the the commentary was the sentiment paper, was it's an argument. Well, the sentiment was the White Sox are getting significantly better this offseason. And you look at the teams that were in the postseason last year, they're either staying the same or the getting Rays are worse. subtractions. So Yankees are nothing right now. They're not do doing with anything. That, do with that what you will. Yeah. The big bad Yankees the with, are all, subtractions. with all the money they have playing a waiting game with DJ LeMahieu, what are we doing? I don't know, man. I don't want to get into that. It's driving me crazy. Well, let's get into uh, Rob Manfred coming out and saying, "Hey guys, let's uh, let's shoot for a normal start date one time, huh? How about it?" Yeah, normal start date, a full one sixty two, and from what it sounds like, there won't be any uh, any proof needed that you've had the COVID nineteen vaccine in order to get into games. Now, there will be regulations with masks. Or that you've tested recently, by the way, or tested negative. Tested negative. Um, You know, know, simple things. I think for the most part, it's... I kind of imagine like a movie theater. You know what I mean? There's probably going to be seats next to you and in front of you or behind you that aren't going to be blocked off, and maybe it's going to stagger. I I don't know how it's going to work. We're definitely not going to have full capacity probably for a while, if at all. But this is good news. This is good news all the way around. This is money getting back into the sport, which means owners can stop being so stingy with uh, with certain moves and certain things, and we can just get somewhat back to normal. Would you 
be willing to go out on a limb and say that we would have, uh, I won't say full capacity by the end of the year, but would you be willing to put what, actually, no, I'll leave it up to you. What percentage would you be willing to put on fan capacity by the end of the year? Half. That's the max we'll get in my opinion. 50%. Yeah. Cause I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a safe bet. Cause I mean, you gotta, you gotta take into account the fact that they're, I know California there. I'm sure there's others that are, that still have bans on sport gatherings. Right. Is that correct? Right. And it's done by state regulations. So, and I mean, each state's going to be a little bit different and some are going to be a little bit more lenient than others. Um, but I mean, you have to think of the whole process of getting into the ballpark. You know what I mean? Where that line starts, where the security line starts, how close you are to people going through, you know, the metal detectors, things like that, that just are going to freak people out a little bit and it's going to have to take some caution. It's less about what you are in the ballpark. Yes, you have this wide open space and you're watching a wide open baseball game. You may or may not be sitting close to somebody, but think about what you're doing while you're going to these places, while you're getting into the stadium, when you're going to the concession stand, uh, when you're going to the bathroom or waiting in line for the bathroom. There's certain things that if we have to have space for everybody, you can't fit everybody. It's just not going to work. Yeah, and something that I think a lot of people are overlooking right now is with that news that Manfred came out and said, hey, we're going to start on time. We're going to potentially allow fans in the stadium. While they're while the league isn't requir- requiring teams to adhere to the whole, hey, let's let's test these people, make or let's check to see if they've been tested, or let's do yeah. the temperature check or all that. They're leaving it up to individual teams. Like, hey, these are like the minimum guidelines that you have to follow. But yeah, feel free to do temperature checks, but the logistics of that would just be insane. Like you said, there's just way too much going on with that. Yeah. And the one thing I do think that we're going to see is potentially some, some weird roster stuff. Um, I could see a little bit of a leniency on options, you know, going up and down. I could see potentially expanding rosters at certain points. I think that stuff is going to be adjusted throughout the year. Um, I would not be surprised if that gets a little bit weird and sticky in certain spots. But uh, the way I see it is that we're going to have fans at baseball games again. And um, I love it. It's the way it goes. And this is the way it should be. And I don't want to see the whole nothing in the first level thing that football has been doing. Maybe like maybe like the first three or four rows. You do you really need the whole first level completely untouched? I don't think that's necessary. Yeah, I'm not feeling that. I don't know. This is above our above our pay grade though, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, what do you think? Like, what do you think the initial capacity will look like? Like, obviously, I asked you about what initial, do you think about the end of the year, but like initially, like right out of the gate, what do, what do we think it's going to look like? Do we think it's going to be what the postseason was last year? Because, I mean, that I guess it's not a bad place to start, right? I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think. Like, right now, I, I was watching the Steelers-Browns game. I think they said they had 1,500 fans in a stadium that can hold 70,000. 
I don't know what percentage that is, but it is pretty low. Uh, I mean, right right out of the gate, I, I it's probably something similar. I don't know. Maybe 2,000 fans right away. Are you going to be one of the people to attempt to purchase tickets? 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 Um, OG fans. Shout out. If you know, you know. Um... No, probably not. You're just going to wait it out just until we have normal capacity again? Yeah. Forever, for regardless how long that takes? Yep. Really? Really. The only thing I can think of is that the Yankees go to the World Series. It's the only thing that would change me personally. But the way I see it, I, I, I don't want to, you know, deter any fans here. But in Arizona, Chase Field's whack. Honestly, it's like a, it's like an indoor gym. It sucks. Um, even with the roof open. So I'm not going to go to any games here, which means I'd have to travel. And I, I just, to me, I think I want the experience to be full on. Maybe the, the if I ever had a chance or could afford to go to the Field of Dreams game, if that is going to still happen. Maybe that, but yeah, I just, I don't see me going anywhere. Spring training, but that doesn't count. I respect it. I mean, you're like a guy that's trying to get into the best shape of his life and you just purposely set out a cupcake on the counter and you just look at it every single day and you're like, no, I'm just going to wait. Just wait I could out. eat it. I think Could. the re- I think the reward there will be worth it, and I I'm kind of an, I'm I think I'm in the same boat with you. I'll, I'll probably hold out. I think it would just have to be like a rare, spontaneous occurrence. I don't know how the lineup is as far as interleague goes. I mean, maybe if I don't know, is the NL West and the AL West together? I don't know where the where I don't the know where that is I can't either. Remember where the if it is, I mean, maybe I could. I would go to see Mike Trout. Um, I don't know. It would have to be free, low key. It would have to be somebody <laughs> bought the tickets. Somebody'd have to pay for you. <laughs> somebody had the tickets already, and they're like, "Yo, do you want to go?" Okay, sure. Chase Field sucks, man. Sure. All right, you you've made it clear that Chase Field sucks. We, good. That'll be our our lasting impression of Chase Field. Um, Nate, let's transition real quick. Before we get into it, let's talk about our chat with Greg Amsinger real quick. Fantastic dude. Right off the bat, this dude is just super chill, and you just want to be friends with him. And I think what's cool is that when you watch MLB Network and you watch MLB Tonight, I'd like to think when we see personalities on TV, we're like, man, I hope they're really like that and and just regular everyday clothes. You know what I mean? Outside Greg Amsinger the, is Greg Amsinger. He's, he's him. He's exactly him. It's easy to see that. And for those of you who don't catch any of the video side of things, he's just wearing sweats in his basement. He's got a man cave bar in his basement with a movie theater set up, and he's just rocking sweats. And... Of course, his hair is still perfect and looks exactly the way it would if he was on TV. But the guy's just, he's just dope. I want to be homies. 
I don't know. After his talk about just his suit collection and all that, I'm thoroughly surprised that he wasn't down there in a suit. The fact that he owns a sweatshirt, a hoodie, nonetheless. An outrageous amount. That is impressive. Yeah, that's I won't a, spoil that number for you. Yeah, that's, a, it is, that's a nice little nugget. He has a stupid number of suits. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just a blast talking with him about life on the, on, on set in, in the building. Cause mm-hmm. there's more to, <laughs> there's more to MLB network than just what you see on TV. There's a, yeah. a, it's a whole process and he's a very integral part of that, which was really cool to hear about. Um, I also thought it was interesting. I don't think it clicked with you, but immediately with me, when we started talking about it, we started talking about the Rays and some similar opinions between you and our friend Greg about them being a not so great run business, which was just another example of the fact that he wasn't holding any punches. He's like, look, I'll tell you like it is. He does not care. He doesn't. He doesn't. And it was awesome hearing his different opinions on, on that, on Manfred. Oh, let's, let's not even spoil the Manfred. That was, yeah, that was interesting, but you'll hear an opinion on a specific player who is, it's a little bit of a rivalry. And oh, it's very much a rivalry. And it is, he doesn't hold back. He doesn't care. I love it. Huge fan. I, huge fan moving forward. I mean, I think we've said all we need to say to, to preview this guy. An absolute, as you would say, gem. gem. Absolute gem. Ladies and gentlemen, Greg Amsinger. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are here with the electric Greg Amsinger of MLB Network. Greg, I got to admit, it's it feels a little odd introducing you because you're the host. I feel like you should be doing all the intro stuff. Uh, no, by all means, man. It's nice. I can take a load off and watch you do all the work. You know, <laughs> I, I get to be the guest slash analyst, which is amazing. What a great gig. I tell Harold Reynolds that all the time. Like, dude, you just give your opinion. You just what hey harold what do you think of the sky it looks blue like that's a beautiful thing to do man so this is me not having to work so you guys can do all the work so you mentioned we caught you on your first day off so what what is today looking like for you because i feel like anytime we see you it's on the television so so what are you up to so nothing much i'm in my man cave my man cave's sick got a full bar down here big movie room um got golden tea uh arcade game i uh you know i'm trapped in the northeast i'm from the midwest but i really want to either live in the desert or somewhere sunny or warm charleston south carolina you know i got i've got my wife and i have two kids so they're in school can't really go anywhere so i'm trapped in 30 degree weather so got my hoodie on and I'm hanging out with you guys in my man cave. That's, that's, that's what my day off is right now. I wish I was playing golf somewhere warm, but instead this is what I'm doing. I won't rub it in, man. I, I'm in, uh, I'm in Arizona, so it's 60 every day. What part? Uh, what part, Nate? Chandler, Arizona. Just, okay. uh, yeah, not too far from the spring training stuff, but yeah, I've got a golf course about a block and a half away. So it's, it's no big deal. Honestly, oh. we're in short sleeve. It's do you play golf? Do you play golf? I love golf. Play golf all the time. He tries to golf. It doesn't love me, but I love golf. Oh, I'm terrible at it. I mean, I shoot, (laughs) you know, my goal is to shoot in the eighties. I mean, that's seriously a couple of good rounds, but I just love it, man. It's just so fun. And you don't realize the rat race of life, how important it is to be outside for four hours. Like it's huge. We need it. So I, I love golf jealous. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, 
I think it, it got a little chilly the other day at night. It was like 45 when I got out of my car and I was like, ah, this little is little chilly. Yeah. Little chilly. You <laughs> yeah. had to turn the frost on a little bit. <laughs> Just no hair. one's feeling bad for you. No one's feeling bad. <laughs> well, Greg, take us back. How did you get into baseball? You've obviously you've you've been around the world in terms of sports. You you've covered them all, but in terms of baseball with what you're doing right now, how did you get into that and how did you get settled into that? Well, I fell in love with baseball in 1985 when Ozzie Smith hit a home run. Jack Buck said, you know, go crazy, folks, go crazy. I saw Tom Needenfuhr at the Los Angeles Dodgers. I was in a little brick house in South St. Louis and all my aunts and uncles and my grandparents, uh, everyone's jammed in there. And I'm on the floor looking at a TV set. You guys are younger than me. It was actually like a little box on the ground that had a screen in it. And all of these people are losing their minds and they did exactly what Jack Buck told them to do. And from that point forward, I was in love with baseball. I absolutely loved it. Uh, I had a really great relationship with my grandfather and he really loved baseball. So we would go to games together, talk about things, who the Cardinals should trade for, things like that. And uh, the way I got to MLB Network was uh, working for college sports television startup channel, was bought by CBS, renamed the CBS Sports Network. And then the guy that did that, that renamed it, left CBS to be the CEO of MLB Network. His name was Tony Petiti and took me with him. He knew I was from St. Louis. He knew I love long form ad lib broadcasting. And he looked at it as an opportunity that would be a good fit for me. And I thank God every day that Tony Petiti <laughs> had that idea because it worked out for me immensely. I love baseball. I love the game. And like you guys, I'm just, I'm a huge fan. I, I don't look at myself as a journalist at all. I'm just, I'm a fan connecting fans to these men that have played at just the highest level. When did the when did the voice set in? Like when did you know that this voice was going to be used as a career? Was it thirteen when yeah. you started getting some peach fuzz in places, or was it <laughs> a little bit later down the road? What were you thinking? So when I was a kid, I was I was hefty. I was, I was a fat kid, right? <laughs> and I was the kid that all the eighth graders would go, "Hey, Greggy, come over here, say bullshit," and I'd be like, "Bullshit," and I had this crazy low frog voice, and they'd all die laughing. And then I hit puberty. My voice got higher. My, my, my voice got higher. I, you couldn't understand me when I was a kid, right? It was just weird. But then I, I, I worked at this swanky grocery store uh, where I had to wear like a button down shirt and a tie. And I was a bag boy. I bag groceries in high school. And all of these uh, customers would be like, young man, you've got a great voice. You, you, I'd be like, hey, paper and plastic. And they'd be like, wow, you got a nice voice. You need to do, you need to be in radio. You need to do something like that. And I kept hearing that from people. And I always loved uh, Jack Buck was my idol. It's so funny. I, I was a good, decent athlete, but broadcasters were my idols. And yet I never connected the dots until later. That this is what I should do. But I just always thought they had the greatest gig in the world. So I, it, it all just meshed together. I started off in radio because of the voice. And I would recommend radio to any young broadcaster because it, it helps me uh, not need to rely on the bells and whistles of great studio production television. So I can kind of ad lib and flow and you know what you guys are doing. It's a great training mechanism to understand how to communicate without reading, without needing to read uh, and just be fun and casual. So it all came together, man, but the voice had a lot to do with it. So you mentioned the ad libbing and I got to admit, I was listening to an interview of yours. I found it on YouTube. Uh, recently, and you were talking about 
how there was a point where you were in the, uh, you, you kind of already dove into it, where you were transitioning jobs. And then I think somebody gave the advice to you that you needed to basically just forget the rules and just go with what's comfortable for you. And then that's when you said you started ad living and you said it just changed your whole career. So when did, yeah. what, what, what did that transformation look like for you? So I, his name was McGraw Millhaven. He's still on the air in St. Louis, a new stock radio station out there called Camo X. Terrific talent. Uh, when I told him I was leaving radio to go into television to do local TV, I was going to be a local weekend news anchor and news reporter. It was my first job in television. I did that news for like a few months and then moved to sports. But I told him about that and, and he said, look, you're going to have a ton of people tell you how to do your job. You will. Just always know it's going to end. Your career is going to end. It's, it, it's, it's over before it starts. Just look at it that way. So if you're going to try to make people happy, knowing you're going to fail, why not shoot your shot, kid? Like, go down doing it the way you want to do it. Do the job that you think is fun. It's your life. Do it the way you want to do it. And, and I just picked that up, and I, I married the idea. Look, I, I did not go to an Ivy League school. I worked with people that did. I did not go to, um, you know, acting school, whatever. I, I, I just, I, I'm a kid from the Midwest, one of seven kids, first person in my family lineage to go to college. If I was going to write scripts and try to be clever, I can't hang with Adam Zucker, who's my former co-anchor. I'm not hanging with Michelle Beadle. Like these people are brilliant people when they're typing and, and their ability to do that. I, I, I'm a bullshitter, man. That's what I do. I, I just hang out. I, I was the guy at the party that wanted to have everybody there and laugh their ass off. Like that's just me. It's who I am. So I, I want that to be what I do on television. That's the most genuine form of Greg. I was actually laughing a little bit when I heard that part of the interview, because I feel like sometimes I get on Nate a little bit for his lack of preparation sometimes with our, <laughs> with our notes and everything. Zero crap. And then, Nothing. and then, so I heard that and I was like, uh, I probably shouldn't tell Nate about that. Cause then he's just going <laughs> to run with that approach. But yes. obviously it's, obviously it's worked for you. So well, it's like a blend. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I'm never unprepared. So I, I, I am in my office grinding. I get, you know, we get a huge research packet every day and I, I'm writing my little notes on there. Things to remember, but it's all stuff to remember stuff to help me build segments with, with my producers. You know, I, I think like a producer, but I care about the show. I don't care about me. And, you know, it's funny. We, this is kind of inside baseball, but we have our network has won seven Emmys for MLB tonight. And I'm very proud of that. So is the whole team. And there's this wonderfully talented woman that has worked in the business for a very long time. And she, they, they try to get, some of the broadcasters individual Emmys. So they put together an Emmy reel for some of us. And I've never been nominated for an Emmy for best studio host. And I don't ever expect to be okay. I don't, I do the way I do my job is completely different than the way other guys do that job. So I don't ever see the voting electric caring about that. And she said to me, she goes, Greg, you need to talk longer. You, you, you talk a lot, but you only talk like seven to 10 seconds. You're not really, you're jabbing your analysts and you're making the show flow. It's fun, but you don't, there's nothing to pick from. We can't put something on your Emmy reel because you don't like go off on things for a long period of time. And I go, I'm never going to. I, I don't think that's what people tune in for. I, 
they're not tuning in to hear Greg Amsinger talk for four and a half minutes on something. I, that's not the show. So I, I'm prepared because I love the game, so it's not work. But um, I just do my job differently. And I, it's a blend. You shouldn't always be prepared, but be yourself the entire time while you're delivering that material. Well, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but tell us what the, the average day is like, you know, when you, when you show up and I mean, obviously you're on tonight, like the MLB tonight, yeah. so you're not having to worry about, you know, getting in there at 5am, but what's, what's your day like? What's your schedule like? Uh, you know, I, I wake up, have coffee. Uh, everybody's working from home. My wife, my kids chill. So I'm kind of like a loner in the house, uh, which is fine. I usually try to play golf and really my schedule works for my golf game. I mean, big time. My country club is like 10 minutes away. I'm there all the time. It's awesome. But during the baseball season, when there's no COVID, uh, I roll in at 7 p.m. We have a production meeting at 7. So the hardest part for me, honestly, is getting to work on time. I'm usually about one to two minutes late, and that's the biggest stress I have. I, I am an awkward, weird, quirky human being, and that is by far the most stressful part of my day is getting to work because I got to get an iced coffee. So I go to Dunkin' Donuts, even though I can't stand Dunkin' Donuts, but it's the only thing on the way to work. So I have, I'll be 10 minutes late to my meeting. I got to get an iced coffee. I go in with an iced coffee. Um, but once I get to work, it's all fun, man. We sit around, brainstorm. Uh, the production meeting is so important. You're able to just throw stuff against the wall, see what sticks. And, and that's where I, you know, people would say that's work, but that to me is fun. It's like, imagine if you and your buddies are in the basement, you're like, Hey, let's come up with a, a baseball TV show. And, and you're thinking of how to do it. And that's literally what we're doing. And we're, we're prepared for all 15 games that are going on that night. We, we think about it. I'm doing play by play of all 15 on a whim. I have no idea when I'm going inside the park. I have no idea that's going to work. I don't really care. I, I let whatever happens happens. And that is just a complete lack of control, which a lot of people, it freaks them out. I love that. Uh, it's the cool part of the show for me. So we're out there and we're prepared for things to happen. But, you know, say Albert Pujols is going to pass Willie Mays on the all-time home run list. We've got a whole segment for that if he were to do it. And, and we've got things like that prepared. If it's a great night and things work out, none of that stuff gets in because someone's throwing a no-hitter or there's a brawl or there's stuff that takes over the night. So I'm chilling in there from 7 p.m. till 1 a.m. My show is usually from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern. And then I literally live 11 minutes from work. So I drive. Yeah, and I'm still late. I'm still late <laughs> to the park. Unbelievable. So who's, Greg, who's the mastermind behind all these different segments that you're talking about? Because I, I got to admit, I watched the one, I watched you guys last night with the bird watching. And my wife and I were sitting there just losing it. I mean, we're like, the fact that there is nothing, I mean, the hot stove right now, I mean, it's, it's picking up a little bit, but for the most part, it's just dead. And the fact that you guys right. can just come up with this kind of stuff to keep things interesting, it's, I mean, obviously it's why you guys are still on air, but I'm, I'm curious as to who's behind that. That's a great question. Uh, I really love doing that kind of stuff. I, I, I love it. Um, our producer, his name is Chris Collins, is we share the same brain. So we text each other the night before shows and we come up with these crazy ass ideas. His was it's National Bird Day. So he comes up with the he'll come up with an idea and then I take the idea and I do crazy stuff to it. And the whole, you know, getting Paul Bird as a guest for that bird segment was 
just it was I, I it was his idea chris collins came up with the idea for that to be the theme and then i lost my mind with excitement to <laughs> make it pop you know uh when i was at college sports television i hosted a show called crystal ball and it was me ray lucas the former jets quarterback brian jones who's a dear friend of mine still works at cbs as an analyst for college football and, and the open of that show was a cold open. So it's just think, think of Saturday, Saturday Night Live, right? The cold open. They come on, they do a skit. I would write a skit every single week, and the producers would not allow it to be longer than 20 seconds. It could not be lo- longer than 20 seconds. And I'm telling you, it was the stuff I'm the most proud of. I, I, it was every single week was hilarious. Trev Alberts, who's now an athletic director at a school in Nebraska, he was a former top pick played linebacker for um, the Colts. I had these guys that played in the NFL. Like I had Brian Jones in drag in one of my <laughs> opens to the show. Like I, they just did whatever I told them to do. And it was hilarious and fun. I, I love that kind of stuff. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a, a comedian at all. It's hard to be funny. Um, I was never trained to do it, but I like to laugh. So anything that I think is funny, I push hard to get into the show. And last night, the bird watching segment with Dan Plesak, who's a former bird himself, a Blue Jay. Uh, that's all just me and Chris Collins doing crazy stuff in our heads. It's it's loads of fun. <laughs> that's incredible. I love it. All right. Well, you you name drop a little bit, and I'm gonna be um because I'm jealous, honestly. <laughs> the the number of people that you've met and talked to. Just specific, specifically, you know, with MLB Network, from former players, current players, you know, analysts, people that, you know, have been writing for this game for, you know, decades. How much has your personal baseball knowledge grown just from you starting at MLB Network until now? Great question. Uh, I got to tell you, Nate, I sit around and I, I hold back on what I think of players because I never played at the highest level. I never did. I mean, it was a crappy high school basketball, a baseball player, um, uppercut swing. It sucked. But, you know, there are people that are scouts that didn't play Major League Baseball. There are writers that follow one team, right? And they get a Hall of Fame vote. I really believe this. Over the last 12 years, no one has watched more baseball than me and Harold Reynolds. <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's actually impossible for anyone to watch more baseball than me and Harold Reynolds the last 12 years. We've, we're on for three hours a night, and we're watching every game, in, every, all 30 teams. So just through that experience, knowledge has leaked in. <laughs> and, you know, that's why I will spar – with someone like Brian Kenny, when he says that Bryce Harper should be the first four to $500 million player years ago with winter meetings. I'm like, why? That makes no sense to me. And as we're going back and forth on that topic, I go, if I'm going to sign a player for that long, I want an easy pass of the baseball. I want a, a simple swing. Bryce Harper has a lot going on in that swing, man. It's violent. It's a huge leg kick. It's like, to me, his swing is, is uh, reminiscent of, I'll compare it to Tim Lincecum's pitching mechanics. Yeah. I, that's just not hanging for a long time. I love Bryce Harper, but he's, and he, can, he can modify that. But Mike Trout's got a swing that's going to play when he's 37 years old. You know, 
Nelson Cruz has a swing. He's 40, and he's still ranking. It's a simple pass at the baseball. Think Chase Utley, right? These are things I have seen over my career. I've, I've been behind a batting cage watching Miguel Cabrera hit, take BP. I, I, have, I have personally hung out with Albert Pujols while he was hitting baseballs in spring training. Like These are life experiences that if I wasn't a cheesy TV host, wearing makeup with high hair, people would go, wow, you, you could work for a front office. Or, wow, you know, you've learned a lot about baseball. You could be a scout. But once you go to that side and you never played and you wear a suit and you're just a cheesy baseball guy, TF the analyst. You hear that all the time. I don't agree with that. But, yeah, I, I, I've learned a lot about the game. I, I never played it, but I've learned a lot about it. And uh, you'll hear my opinions leak out on MLB Network. Well, kind of going off of that, in that interview that I was uh, that I told you about that I was listening to, you addressed the topic of kind of the the stigma surrounding your industry, where there's such a, a requirement to be down the middle, and you kind of you kind of bucked that a little bit. You're like, what? Like there can be a balance of being because obviously being a a St. Louis fan, I mean, there's a little bit there, and yeah, you were you were essentially just like well, why can't I be both? Like, why can't I provide insight, but also just report on what's happening? So dive into that a little bit for us. You know, I, I, I'm on television to entertain people. The information, if you're looking to get information from Greg Amsinger, um, you, it's coming because you like to be entertained by MLB Tonight. Uh, you like the live baseball. You, you, you live the, the antics. You like the chemistry of the guys. The information, if there's breaking news, we're going to give it to you, you know. Um, I just, I look, I, I look at giving my opinion and, and, and being who I am as the number one brand of who I am as a broadcaster. I came from St. Louis. I fell in love with the Cardinals. If the Cardinals didn't exist, I wouldn't be working at MLB Network. It is why I'm in love with the game. Ozzie Smith is my favorite player of all time. I shouldn't be ashamed of that. You know, like that, look, do Cub fans hate me? Yeah, a lot do. Do people just flip the channel because I'm on in Chicago? Maybe. Um, but at the end of the day, it's okay to hate somebody. It's okay to, that guy pisses me off. He, he talks about the Cardinals too much. Right. People like to complain. And that's, it's a whole Howard Stern effect. People love to hate him, so they listen to him, right? I'm not saying I'm Howard Stern of baseball, but I'm just who I am. I'm not ashamed of what I like and what I think. Uh, it's, it's really a reality TV show, to be honest with you. You're, you're tuning into MLB tonight during the summer. You have no idea what's about to happen. You have no idea what game we're going to go to. It's not the comparisons to NFL red zone. I get it. And I watch NFL red zone almost every Sunday. It's a great product, but what we're doing is we're weaving a high end studio show. Like think of NFL on CBS and the production value of that. Right. NFL today we're doing that around 15 live baseball games that we're doing play-by-play play for breaking down all of those so it's chaos but it's beautiful organized chaos that the reason it works is because we're all being ourselves it's reality tv the second you're phony the second whatever your weaknesses will be exposed. I've said that numerous times about the show, whatever your weakness is, if you don't know the Padres bullpen at some point, the ball finds you, that will happen. You, you will be exposed. 
if you don't know the pitching coach, the Pirates, you will be exposed. If you're kind of a jerk, <laughs> that will leak out over a three-hour ad-lib TV show. Uh, my, my major weakness, I have no pop culture knowledge at all. You bring up a movie quote, you bring up a song, you bring up an actor. I don't know anything about any of that. I don't have any pop culture. So that comes up all the time and we'll laugh about it. But I, I just think, you know, the industry's changed. I knew it was going to be changing a lot. And we don't even know where it's going to land now after COVID. But I get, kept going back to McGraw Millhaven. He kept telling me, just you're going down anyway. The career's not going to last long anyway. At least go down doing it the way that you like it. And that's what I've been doing. I like it. I like it. Well, let's, I mean, let's give you this platform. Let's give you this forum. Now you, you, like you said, you're the analyst today. Yeah. Let's talk a little current baseball. Feel right. free to dive in on what's going on in St. Louis right now. Cause we have two ring of fame, if you will, with the Cardinals players that aren't currently Cardinals players. Talk to me about it. <laughs> Look, it, it, this is tough. John Moselak, who I know well, is sitting around going, maybe this is our opportunity. Not Adam Wainwright. He would love to bring Adam Wainwright back. I, I think Wainwright's waiting to see if Yachty comes back. The Yachty-Molina thing is tough. Yachty is a powerful figure in the clubhouse and the entire organization and well-respected. This is, to me, reminiscent of when Ozzie Smith was being pushed out. Ozzie Smith was a backup to Royce Clayton and Ozzy played great all the way up until his last year. Like every time he had a chance to play, play great. It's hard for front offices who do not value leadership anymore. who don't value the things, the baseball instincts, the IQ, uh, an aging catcher just doesn't play well, for the modern front office. So because of the excuse that everybody has now that the pandemic is holding our purse strings tight, we don't have any money. Uh, I'm concerned the Cardinals are going to look at this as an opportunity to move on. I say that as a Cardinal fan, uh, I care more about the legacy than I care about the 2021 season. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like to me, I get it. You're hired and fired based on the 2021 season. So if you're working in the front office, you're, this is how you're looking at the Yadier Molina thing. As a fan, I'm like, I don't, I'd rather lose with him than win without him. Like, certain players mean that much to fans. I felt that way about Albert Pools. Yeah, yeah. Has he been a Hall of Famer since he went to the Angels? Nope. Do I wish he played like that for the St. Louis Cardinals for the last 10 years? Yeah, I do. Because that is what is so great about sports. It's loving your, your heroes. And it's just such a business now um, that I, I'm worried the Yadier Molina era might come to an end. The other problem with this is John Moselleck sitting there going, without Wainwright and Molina on the roster, I'm looking at the entire division, which stinks, and every single team in the division is getting rid of players. No one has added anybody in the division. If you had to handicap who's the best team in the NL Central, 80% of baseball experts would say it's the Cardinals. Their starting rotation is the best. Their bullpen's the best. Are they going to score more than three runs a game? Probably not, but they might not need to. So – John Moselle is going, wait a minute, why do I have to pay and upset my owner who's upset about how much money he lost last year for two aging guys when I don't need them to win the division? So I did a segment yesterday with uh, Dave Valley, our catcher, that I think Moline is going to bounce and we got to find out which is the best fit for him. I don't think he's going back to St. Louis. I was going to well, ask, ask you this because to go off of that, and, and this is a little bit of a segue, I apologize, Kyle, the – 
my, our fear as fans, and Kyle and I are pretty old school, when it comes to baseball, we love numbers, we love knowledge, we love stats, we always have. Yeah. Do you feel, and is the consensus with a lot of your coworkers, are we getting to the point where we're maybe becoming a little too analytical compared to other sports? We're watching you know, the Yadier Molina of football with Tom Brady going over to the, to the bucks and doing his thing this year and killing yeah. it and yeah. was an MVP conversation. Mm-hmm. So are we getting too much of that in baseball? Are you, are you kind of worried? And is anyone else that you're, you know, working with worried? Without a doubt. I'm, I, I, I think it's cyclical. So I do think we're, we're slowly going back to normalcy, which I think is common sense <laughs> because you know, Sam Fold is the GM of the Phillies. Chris Young is the GM of the Rangers. Former players are being named GMs. That is unheard of. I mean, I, I got to tell you, I love Brian Kenny. Brian Kenny and I are boys. He is so talented. He's obviously a huge sabermetric, analytically driven talent. We argue about baseball a lot. Um, I, I feel like for years on his show, the person who no one wanted to hear from, the person who had really, there was no interest from the panel as to what that person was saying, the least relevant person on the four-man desk was the person that played baseball. Like, oh, the jock's talking again. So we've kind of, for a while, we were going in a really poor direction where if you played baseball, you're kind of messed up. Like you, no one wants to know what you think because you actually play major league baseball. Ew. And <laughs> real life experience does matter. It, it just does. And exceptions to the rule is what I mean by common sense. What is an exception to the rule in baseball? Well, Yadier Molina should he could play two more years easily, 130 games catching, and I believe he'll be one of the top five catchers in the league. Another exception to the rule. Oh, Blake Snell, third time through the lineup. I know Mookie Betts, Corey Seager, and Justin Turner are over six with six punchies in this game, and he's throwing darts with late life. Let's take him out. And guys, we're taking him out. That's what we do. There are no exceptions to the rule. When you suck away the humanity of sports, then you're just running a business. And yeah, the Rays got to the World Series. That's cool. But Forbes came out with a brand new list of how much every team's worth, and their value went down. So what business are you, are you running here? Uh, you know, I don't get it. You have no one going to games before COVID. Um, your ballpark's terrible. And you hear about, you know, look, MLB Network is, is owned by all 30 uh, teams. So, you know, blasting owners is something I'm never going to do. But what I don't want to hear are people complaining about how hard it is to own a baseball team. Because to me, that's like complaining about my windows. I got to replace my windows. Oh, this house. I got to replace my roof. This is terrible. My, my daughter comes up to me and she's like, hey, dad, you know, I looked on Truly and the house is worth like two million bucks now. You, you, didn't you buy it for like 700? Yeah, but who cares? Well, why don't you sell it? If, if it's such a pain in your butt, sell it. No, right. I'm not going to sell it. I want right. to complain about the roof. I want to complain about the windows. So I feel like we need human common sense injected back into the sport, get baseball people into the sport again, making decisions. 
And I think the analytics are kind of, you know, owners want proof. Why should I sign him? Give me the numbers. I don't give me your opinion. He's a grinder. And it, I want the proof in paperwork. And that's where this whole thing started, in my opinion. So we need ownership to trust the humans that play the game to get the, the roster that they believe will win the games. And then we'll, like I said, cyclical, we'll all go back to normalcy again. All right. Well, I don't want to put you on the spot, but before we hopped on, you did say that you're okay with doing that. And we usually, we usually try not to put people on the spot, but I'm going to, I love it. I'm going to ask you a little something here, kind of related to what we just talked about. Okay. So I won't ask you to bash the current commissioner, but in terms of your opinion on the commissioner's office, is there somebody out there that you know of that you feel would be a good fit for the commissioner's office to achieve the goals that you just talked about? I, I know this sounds like I'm a company shell. I, trust me, I know this sounds like it. Uh, but Rob Manfred is a good commissioner. People are going to be like, whoa, come on, no way. Hung out with the guy. He has made more change to a game that hates change than anybody could fathom. You have to have to agree with that. But would you he argue that that's more? by force that like nobody necessarily wants that change? Or do you think he's just kind oh, of... Oh, no, no, no. When you make a change to anything in Major League Baseball, you're going to piss a lot of people off. Right. Without a doubt. So you, you automatically prove to the world that you don't care about your approval rating as a commissioner. If, if you want to be a commissioner that everybody loves, don't do a damn thing. You'll have a contingent of people complaining, but the sport will not evolve. It's not going to get any new viewers, fans, not going to get any younger. Uh, you won't, it won't be international. Just keep it the status quo and the status quo won't bite your head off. But when Rob Manfred, what he's trying to do is he's trying to do what other leagues have done. Other sports are doing. They adjust the rules. They, they make the product fit television more. Um, they speed it up. Uh, now gambling is going to be injected into major league baseball He's changing baseball. Any commissioner that takes that seat and decides to do that is going to be wildly unpopular. From someone that's behind the curtain and understands how this whole thing is working, dude has guts. He, he fights to get things that he believes in. And yeah, he, his number one hurdle going forward will be a strike. And he's going to try to avoid that at all costs. He does not want that. He wants players to, to, to thrive. He, he's a caretaker of the sport. But look, I feel like people that are leaders, uh, maybe it's because of the political climate that we're in, we think that people need to be entertainers when they're a commissioner. Oh, did you watch him on the draft? Or did you see when he was handing the trophy off? People get bashed for their level of entertaining. He's the number one decision maker of a sport. What he does in a boardroom meeting is why he's good at his job, not because of how he reads a teleprompter at the draft with the fourth pick, the Reds take. That's not why he's a good commissioner. So we don't, we got to get away from this whole idea. You know, maybe it was Barack Obama who just entertained everybody. He was so comfortable and casual and, you know, and then that kind of morphed into a reality TV star being a president. Like we think that people that, are in leadership roles need to be suave and likable and funny and whatever. No, just be really smart, care about the game and try to help it evolve. And I really believe 
Rob Manfred is the best we're going to get. He's the best guy for the job right now. I know that's probably not the answer you're looking for, but that is no, my opinion. It. That was my, that's I my opinion. It. I, I love mean, it. That's, a, I mean, that's that, a great point. You kind of brought up presidents. Like it's kind of known that your approval rating while you're in office really doesn't have the long-term same number. It's not a compared that. I mean, it said that Reagan was hated when he was in office, right? Right. And we right. look back and he's like one of the greatest presidents ever. So right. do you think that's going to be the same situation to where we're going to look back 20, 30 years down the road and be like, Manfred really did some stuff? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Okay. I think the expanded postseasons here to stay. I think extra inning rules here to stay. I know he's a national league guy. I am too. I, I love the, you know, matching baseball IQs and dugouts with the pitching spot and pinch hitting. And, but DH is going to be here to stay too, more than likely. Um, he wants the sport to grow internationally. Uh, he's brought up Mexico City as a, a place he would like to see baseball, a, a baseball team someday down the road. I believe Montreal is going to get a team back because there should be two teams in Canada. He cares about this. He cares about the game. And at the end of the day, because Bud Selig, to his credit, when he was on television, you, you, could, you could hear him gush about baseball. He huge fan. Loved it. Rob Manford loves the game, too. He's just a different personality. You know what I mean? Like he, if you're hanging out having beers with him, he, he loves to drink Stella, by the way. Uh, if you're having a Stella with Rob Manfred, he, you, his baseball fandom comes out in a monstrous way. He loves the sport. He's a, he's a caretaker of it. He wants it to get younger, hipper, faster, more action. And look, do I think he's going to ban ships? No. Do I think he's going to alter the rule? Yeah. He's, he's going to figure out a way to make this all work. And a, a commissioner that's open to change, we should covet. And we have one. I like it. I, Straightforward. I, mean, I, I like yeah, it. I, I mean, I can't. Stick I can't to argue. The guns. Can't it's argue unpopular. It. It's not popular to go against, against you know the grain right now. So good for you. Yeah. Look, I, I if I didn't have the experience of working in baseball for twelve years and seeing the difference from the previous regime, which he was a part of, but he wasn't the number one decision maker, to the regime now, just from the people he surrounds himself with, the, 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 the other executives, the second tier executives. None of the names that the average fan knows. Right, right. Yeah. You know, people don't understand. He wants to know. He, you know, the Players Alliance, Major League Baseball wrote a hefty check for the Players Alliance tour that's going on right now. Rob Manfred gets it. That is an important initiative that they're doing. Um, he, 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 it's hard to get everyone on board. You got the owners over here. You got the players in the union over here. He, to me, is will aggravate both sides. The union says all he cares about are, are the owners. The owners will be like, wow, why are we bending over so much for the freaking players? But Rob Manfred is the, the caretaker of the sport. And when you are a really good caretaker of the sport, you're going to upset everybody. You're going to even upset fans. So it takes guts to do that, and that's how he's operating. And I give him credit for that. I like it. All right, I got a couple questions left for you. We're gonna we're gonna lighten it up a little bit. We got heavy there. No, I like it heavy. We, but got we, can deep. It we can do whatever. <laughs> so, um, you know, back to uh, you know all the players that you've gotten to to get to know. You know, current, former, 
if you could sit at your desk and do your job and break down one show with a current or former player, who would it be outside of your current coworkers? Oh, wow. So I could pick any, any analyst of any other analyst player dead alive. Doesn't matter. Who would you break a game down with or run a show with on MLB tonight? Oh my goodness. Holy smokes that I can answer this in a million different ways. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you multiple answers in I, I, almost like you're asking me like a couple different questions. The, the most talented analyst right now outside of baseball that I watch and I can't take my eyes off. I think he's insanely good is Nate Burleson, who's on good morning football. Okay. Yep. He's off the charts. Like that dude is insanely talented. All right. Um, who, who would I love to be on TV with? Uh, man, you know, I would love, uh, if I could do it, if I could host a show that wasn't my own, how about that? Uh, that would be a different Okay. One. That's fair. If I could host a show that wasn't my own, I would love to sit with Barkley, Kenny Smith and Shaq. And let's <laughs> so Ernie Johnson. I love Ernie. Ernie and I are boys. He is so kind. He's been so complimentary to me in my career years ago. Um, and he's a legend. But my goodness, would I love to be a part of that chaos for a day, just one day. Could you imagine my my act with Barkley and Shaq? <laughs> Heads would explode. That'd be electric. Um, it would be fun, right? So I would I would love to do that. As for baseball, that if I could sit on the set and break it down with anybody, dead or alive, um, you know, just because I do get heavy as 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 much as I get like slapstick funny, you know. Uh, but I would, I would love to sit on a set with Jackie Robinson and hear what he has to say about the game, host a live show. To me, he comes off as somebody that when he speaks, everybody gets quiet and listens. And that to me is like, it would be kind of borderline awkward, which I love awkward moments, by the way. <laughs> I think those are the best in TV. So I would want this serious, stoic, legendary presence on. And then I would probably want like, uh, to offset that, some some wild, hilarious dude um, that's larger than life. I'm trying to think who I would want. I mean, I work with Dan Plesak, and he's freaking off. He's off the rails, crazy. But if I couldn't pick one of the, a guy I work with, um, do you, <laughs> there are so many guys. Um, I don't know. Jackie Robinson is a must. But I want a weird person. So I'm trying to think of someone that's weird. <laughs> Turk Wendell, maybe. Okay. Uh, the guy that brushed, that brushed his teeth in between innings. He's kind of out there. Niger Morgan. Yeah, he was T plush. He would work for us because we also run the NHL network. And he was a great hockey player, by the way. People oh, don't I know, know that. that. Yeah, Niger Morgan would be, he would say crazy ass things, which would be fun. Um, I feel like yeah, Brett I, Phillips would be a great fit given what happened with you two after the World Series game. Like right, that, Brett that Phillips. Would, be, would that laugh? That'd be incredible. <laughs> it would, he could just be my Ed McMahon. Just laugh, Brett. I just want you to laugh at the jokes and we'll be money. <laughs> um, but yeah, it would probably be some huge characters along with Jackie Robinson. And then we would all be watching Jackie and be like, what in the hell is going on with these guys? You know. But we would all listen when Jackie spoke. So I would want a little like balance that way. That, it would be something crazy like that. Producing in the future. I got you. You got some producing lined up. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think staff. I think of myself as a producer. I, I'm not not even kidding. I, I coming up with a great TV segment is more fun than hosting a TV show to me. Love I'm it. not kidding. That's just the way my brain works. That's awesome. So, in your time at MLB Network, is there an individual that say the crew comes in and says, "Hey, we're gonna have fill in the blank on tonight's segment." Is there a person that you can think back on where you kind of, I mean, you're obviously an, an easygoing guy. You you can handle stuff as it comes to you. But was there an individual where you're, you kind of get a little nervous for? Where you're like, wow, are we really about to talk to this person? Is there somebody like that for you? Yeah, um, a, a couple. In 2009, I'm hosting the Red Carpet Show for the uh, All-Star Game with Harold. And Bob Gibson comes up. I mean, Bob Gibson walked on water in St. Wow. Louis, right? And it's the first time I got a chance to meet him. And I go, Mr. Gibson, my name's Greg. Uh, it's an honor to meet you. We're in a commercial break. And he goes, I'm here for Harold. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. my gosh. You got it. You got it, man. I'm just glad you're here. Uh, the, the most nervous I am, I, I don't get really nervous anymore, but uh, I do, like, think about this. I host a show, and I mentioned this last night. I host a show, one show a year where I'm the host and the greatest sports host in the history of sports television is on the set with an IFB hearing everything that I'm hearing, Bob Costas. So one of my broadcasting idols is Niall Host on that day. He's one of our analysts for the Hall of Fame election announcement. And he's sitting there watching me host. I mean, imagine, right? It's, I, I, I'm trying to think of an analogy. It's, uh, it's like Steph Curry, is open, but he's passing the ball to you to shoot a three. <laughs> like, hope this goes in. You know what I mean? That's how it feels. So that that to me is that that's a big one. I've had some really cool moments though, man. Like where I I walked away like, is that really? My life is insane. I love college basketball, and I did when I was at CBS. I did a uh, an interview, the Voices of March. I got to get my hands on this interview. I, I don't know. I just remembered this. Um, and I interviewed Jim Nance and the late Dick Enberg and Billy Packer. So here you have 27 year old Greg Amsinger in this room with all these cameras, all these lights, legit, right? And we're walking through like some of the greatest moments in NCAA history. That to me was awesome off the charts. But I've interviewed Yogi Berra where he corrected me on the field at Yankee Stadium. We were live on Yankee Sta- at Yankee Stadium. And I, I, I think I mentioned A.J. Burnett. So, you know, Yogi, what do you think of A.J.? They paid a lot of money for him. He's starting tonight. Uh, last handful of starts. Hasn't been very good. And he corrected me. He goes, he's won his last two. He's won his <laughs> last two. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that, Yogi. I'm sorry. I apologize. Even though he didn't win his last two. I just played along. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, every year I get to go to Cooperstown and I host the Spink and Frick Awards ceremony at Double Day Field. So you got, you know, a thousand people in the stands and I introduce all the living Hall of Famers. You know, and I actually messed up two years ago. I forgot Phil Necro, the late Phil Necro. I forgot his name. I, I just, I, I skipped over it on my paper. And Randy Johnson goes, Greg, Greg, I turn around and he goes, you forgot the old knuckleballer. And I'm like, oh, Phil Necro, everyone. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Phil Necro stood up. I made a joke about it later. We laughed. He was so nice to me after that. Like, hey, I don't want you to think, don't please don't be upset. But I was so embarrassed. But 
that man, dude, I mean, there's just been so many guys, so many guys that I'm blessed to have the opportunity to have met in my career. That's so we talked about the best. You don't have to drop names if you don't want to. What's your worst experience during an <laughs> interview, during a show, like the worst yeah. thing you've come across? There's a, there's, there have been a couple, but nothing worse than Jason Worth. And Jason Worth hates me. Yeah, and, I heard I heard there's a little little beef between you guys. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. He doesn't like me. Wow. And, you know, uh, for everything I've heard, he's a really nice guy. He's a great teammate. Just not a big fan of the whole grumpy, I'm pissed off every day, playing baseball, making millions of dollars. Like, I'm right. just not into that, right? And um, so the story is I was on the field, Yankee Stadium in Phillies, Yankees 2010 this is a World Series rematch and um, interleague I'm on the field with Harold and you know you've seen the network when we're live for the all-star game and people players just run up on the set right they just run up on our set so Harold's like hey Jason words he's jogging by come up here man come up here so he comes up and he stands between me and Harold and, Jay, and this is just when he started growing the beard and, and Harold goes man look at that beard look at you man you're looking like grizzly adams over here and he kind of chuckles and i go yeah jason is there like a meaning behind the beard is there a reason why you let it grow out this this long and i just followed up on that he just walked up on the set he looks at me he's standing up i'm sitting down he looks at me he turns his back to me and he goes let's talk baseball harold so on live tv this man turns sideways his ass is like basically in my face and he Harold, you know, playing along, asks him a question. My producer gets in my ear and he goes, Hey Greg. So we have, we got about four and a half minutes left in this segment. When we're done here, go to break. And as Jason Worth is about to start his answer, I go, Oh, Jason, sorry, man, we're out of time. Well, we got to go to break here on MLB tonight. When we come back, blah, 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 blah. And he looks at Harold, he looks at me and I just start going to break. My producer's like, Greg, no, 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 no. Don't go to break. Don't go to break. And I'm just, I'm plowing through. I just keep <laughs> wow. going to break. And he walks off, drops the mic that he's off camera now, walks off and puts both middle fingers up in the air as he's walking away. Right. This is for real. Then later, later, like a week later, uh, he, and again, he's probably a nice guy, but this is all factual stuff. There was a moment in the right field corner where he collided with a dad who was catching a foul ball and it was late in the game. And Jason Worth didn't catch the ball. Jason Worth swore at him. And I'm doing a live look into this game swears at the father who's with his 12 year old son. The father sits down with the baseball, all of Philly's booing the dad. Jason, Jason worth the standing right field, still mad at him. I just had my experience with Jason. Ward, so I'm holding it all in. I'm trying to be fair or whatever, not saying anything about it. The, the kid doesn't even want the ball. The kid doesn't even want the ball. He's so mortified that his dad caught the ball. He didn't lean over the ball was right over his head. Everyone's booing the dad. So two live look-ins later, we're in Seattle. Game just started. Fly ball down the right field line. Ichiro Suzuki collides with a 16-year-old girl. Um, Ichiro doesn't catch the ball either. And the girl, like, he collided with her, just like Jason Worth did. He goes, oh, my goodness, are you okay? Breaking news, Ichiro speaks perfect English. People don't know that, but he speaks perfect <laughs> Oh, my goodness, are you okay? And she's like, yes, yes. And she starts, like, freaking out. And then on ballpark camera, we see in the dugout, Ichiro get employees of the ballpark in Seattle, points over into the corner. And 
we show for the next 20 minutes different gifts that she was given. An Ichiro jersey, an Ichiro hat, Jeez. got the glove. Like, she's giving gifts. So then I do a split screen. I, I had it. I lost my mind. And I go, all right, you, we talk about baseball and we want to be fan-friendly sport, right? And we love our heroes. They're baseball stars. Here you have a pro. I show Ichiro run to the fan. And look what he said. This is a pro. This is what a pro does. This is, this is someone you cheer for. And then split screen. This is what happened in Philadelphia. And I show Jason Worth cussing out a fan. I go, call him whatever you want. And from that point forward, I, I never refer to him as Jason Worth. I call him the bearded one. <laughs> That's all I ever said was the bearded one. But you know, he hates me. He's told everybody he hates me. And he has the right to hate me. Everyone has the right to not like people, you know. I feel like that's something that not a lot of people understand or want to want to get. It's like, no, like you can just, you can dislike somebody. There's nothing it's wrong okay. with that. Like, <laughs> yeah, but you yeah. have, you have to have a reason. And if, if you have a reason, it makes sense. Right. We're not going to hang out. We don't want to physically harm each other. I don't think he does. Maybe he does, but we just aren't going to hang out. There's nothing wrong with that. I love it. Nate, you got anything left, left for uh, Greg? Cause I got just a couple more here. I know we've kept them a lot longer than, I know this went this went way longer. It's my fault. Don't worry. It's my fault. <laughs> I want to know. Now you know what? I'll save it. I'll save it. Kyle, you go first. I'll All right, save Greg. It. This is this is a new segment that I wanted to introduce for the sole reason that you don't have social media. Yeah. I wanted. I I pulled a couple quote unquote mean <laughs> tweets for you, and I just wanted to. I wanted to give you a a few seconds to respond to each one. So okay. starting off here. At underscore Big Steve eighty nine says, "Is it just me or does Greg Amsinger look like he's dressed like a board committee member of the PGA instead of a baseball analyst?" <laughs> sounds like someone's jealous. Sounds like <laughs> sounds like I was breaking out some khakis and I had a, ba- a banging blazer, and he just wanted to bitch about it. <laughs> I mean, my response to that though is, I feel like most of you guys are pretty similarly dressed for the most part. I mean, everybody's got a got a <laughs> yeah, jacket. I don't know, I don't know why they singled you out. Well, I, I, I like my formal wear. I got the pocket square. I, I wear the flashy socks. And, you wear how, many, well. how many suits do you have? I have 86. <laughs> 86 suits? The fact that you know that I, is incredible. I, my, my, my walk-in closet is like a sanctuary. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I've got, they're all in rotation. Um, I've got, I can't even count how many ties I have. I, I, I can't. I show up to work dressed, by the way. I show up to work ready to be on TV because when I, when the network started, I was the lowest man on the totem pole. I was not affiliated with any major league team. So, you know, Trini Kisneric was a sideline reporter for the Brewers, Patty V, you know, play by play guy, the Padres, Hazel May worked for the Red Sox. I had no affiliation with baseball. So I wasn't on the air hardly at all. So my in was breaking news. I knew if there was a breaking story. If I was in a suit ready to go on TV, there you go. Uh, Amsinger, you look like you're ready to go. Jump out there and I can show off my live TV chops. So ever since then, I show up to work ready for TV. I'm ready to go. I love my suits. I love that. Well, this next one is kind of going off of your segment yesterday with the bird watching, but Paul, Paul Valet three says, I cannot stand Greg Amsinger. Dude just hates on the Orioles every chance he gets. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I'm not sure what the hatred for the Orioles would be, but <laughs> well, if, if, 
if I ask my analysts, how many seasons will it be before the Orioles are in contention for a postseason spot? You know, people hear what they want to hear. So when an Orioles segment comes up and you're an Oriole fan and we're saying anything other than the fact the Orioles are going to be the surprise team of baseball, <laughs> anything that has an injection of reality, it just aggravates them. Here we go again. So, oh, why is that such a hater? Man, I don't care. You think I'm mad because <laughs> my, my St. Louis Browns moved there? Is that what they think? Is that what, is that what they think? I think That's got to be Orioles. That's Come on. Be. Uh, at Adam underscore Biv says the analysis on MLB network is just so good. Plesak and Harold Reynolds are absolutely excellent. And Greg Amsinger is okay. He's got good <laughs> hair and good sideburns. <laughs> Thank you. I don't need any more than that. I will take that and run, man. I, that to me is a victory. That, that is a social media victory because people rarely go to social media to write something nice. So That's I will fact. take that. I will take that. Well, well let me I'll, ask you this before the next one. Is there ever an opportunity to where maybe Dan Plesak would grow out sideburns and you would cut yours off? Dude, I mean, I've got a wedding That guy's photo. at like the top of the year. Oh, it's insane. It's like ridiculous. <laughs> I'm like, Dan, what are you doing? I think, he, I think he's got such a baby face for his age. He looks really, really good. He likes showing off his baby face, but it's like... What? No cybers? Like zero? <laughs> you know, and then you got Harold who's got different facial hair. Some days he's got a mustache. Some days he's completely bald. Some, he's like, no one he's notices got how Harold, Harold's mixing it up every day. Every day. <laughs> yeah. I think that's so, got to right. be a bet. That's got to be a bet that he has to grow his out and you have to cut yours at some point. It's got to be a thing. I, I completely agree with that, Nate. And when it happens, I'm going to give you all the credit on the air. For I, love that. I love it. Well, on the note of not going to social media to post something positive, had to end with a, a, a happy note for you, Greg. Patrick M. Sports says, I'm not sure that Greg Amsinger gets enough credit as a host. He's excellent. And I think we all feel that way because... I mean, you just, you kill it up there, but I appreciate that. That's really nice. I, uh, unfortunately I'm away from social media and you know, the reason for that to me is I've always gone against the grain. If everyone goes one direction, I like to go the other. And it's also a time dump. I, I like we talked about before we started this, I don't really watch TV. I, I, I really don't. I watch sports, right? but I don't watch shows because it reminds me I'm looking at a device. I'm staring at a screen. So just imagine being the parent of a 17 year old girl and a 10 year old boy. They're on devices all the time, driving bananas. Um, I don't interact with fans because I just look at that as I'd rather do this. This to me is a forum that everything is in context. You ask me questions. I answer them. It's in my own voice. I, I would have been fired a long time ago if I was on Twitter. I mean, without a doubt, man, like <laughs> this is how I am. If you, imagine if I had a few too many margaritas and it's, you know, one thirty in the morning and I'm sitting there with my thumbs, Greggy gone. I don't trust myself on social <laughs> media. So this way I know I will not get fired for putting a terrible tweet out. So I like the comfort in that. Yeah, Jason Worth would probably be getting a few uh, few tags on that <laughs> if that was the case. So fortunately, we don't have to worry about that. You know what? You know, someday, I guarantee you, Jason Worth and I will make up on TV. But we will make up. 
we, we Mark DeRosa's friends with him, and he really wants that to happen. So I'm like, if you want to set it up, D-Row, I would more than happy have, have coffee with Jason Worth. We'll televise it. We'll air our grievances, and maybe we can be friends. We'll see. Last I heard about him, he was like hitting dingers in like a men's league game in the middle of nowhere. I saw some video of him doing that. And I was like, all right, do your thing, <laughs> yeah. Jason. I don't know. I mean, we're both, I, I think he's also a Gemini too. I, th- I think he was born in May. I'm made, I, I believe in that stuff, by the way. Like, okay. I, really? Oh, by far. Yeah. Like, Geminis are crazy. We're all crazy. So, you know, we could talk about that too. We've got some commonality, some safe space to play. Grow your beard out first and then. Maybe that'll help. I had the beard. I had the beard. And I missed it. I lost my edge. My wife loved it. Oh, my gosh. I think she thought I was a different guy. <laughs> oh well, that, that actually reminds me because I actually I was going through the tweets and I saw one. There was a screenshot of you with the beard. And this I don't remember who it was. This guy said, Greg Amsinger just stole my girl and I don't even have one. So <laughs> it might, might need to go back to the might need to go back to the beard if that's the case. I mean, I loved it. The bosses hated it. They hated it. And they were on me all the time. But, you know, it is what it is. I also had a slick back going with the beard. So it was really aggravating the bosses. But <laughs> I just try to mix it up. You know, we only have hair so long. We're men. And while you have it, you got to enjoy very it. True. So there's a reason we're both wearing hats right now. So yeah, it's very true. <laughs> it's alarming. It's alarming how quickly it's going. It's going quick. It's, it's going the quick. way it works. Going it's the quick. way it works. Greg, I got I one more here for you before our uh, grand finale question that we ask all of our guests. Nate, you got anything else for Greg? That's it for me. Run it, bud. All right, Greg, you guys on with your segment, you guys cut to a lot of late inning moments. You cut to a lot of different games throughout the year. But if you could cut to one moment and cover it in Major League Baseball history, what would that be? Uh, it would be, to me, the moment. Um, wow. Uh, this is tough because like, you can't cover over some historic broadcasting moment either. Like You can't replace Vin Scully moments. or. It's yeah, just right. a factor I, of the question. I initially, yeah. Yeah, I initially wanted to say Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's record, but that was covered beautifully. Um, and then I, I'm a fan, so I, I want to go to game six, 2011 World Series, the fly ball over Nelson Cruz's head. But whatever call you want to hear there, Dan Schulman and Joe Buck, unbelievable. Like, that's incredible. Um, there are just so many. You know, maybe if I could do a live look at, knowing what I know now, right? And go back in time and do Mike Trout's first at bat where we didn't know. I like that. We knew we knew he was a talented prospect, but we didn't know he was going to be arguably the greatest baseball player of all time. We, we didn't know that. Um, I am honored to be the host of the MLB draft when in our first year of covering the draft, we got one kid to show up. We only got one, some kid from Jersey. And it was Mike Trout. That to me, every time I think about that, it just gives me goosebumps, man. Like that is just insane. So Mike Trout, what he means to the game. And I, I'm, I'm a big believer in appreciating what you have. I watched every one of Michael Jordan's games if I could. Every If he was on TV, I wasn't doing anything else. I was watching the greatest basketball player of all time. We had to start 
thinking about Mike Trout the same way. We had to start appreciating what we have because he's still so young, 30, that we're, he's going to be around forever. Man, he's in his prime, dude. Michael Jordan is prime. You passed up watching that game back in 1990? What? Why? I think Mike Trout is so special. We're living in a time where we're going to view him as, at the end of the day, the greatest baseball player ever. Think about that. Think about that. We're watching a guy who's on pace to be the greatest baseball player ever. So if I can go back, knowing what I know now, and do a live looking of Mike Trout's first at bat, that's what I'd love to do. I love that answer. It's a great answer. All right, Greg. I, I'm, I'm kind of caught in between, Kyle. I really don't know about this one. So this is a question uh, to settle an argument, and even though I think it's far been settled to go towards my side. Um, that it was a disagreement between Kyle and I that has gone back long before our interviews and conversations. Okay. So we've gone to you guys to help settle this. Yay or nay on mint chocolate chip ice cream? <laughs> uh, nay. Nay. You're making a comeback, Kyle. I love it. I'm going to be uh, honest it, with you. It, 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 here's why. Can I tell you why? I view ice cream from the perspective of shelf life. How long, when, once you put it in your bowl, if it starts to melt, is it still high-end quality? <laughs> Mint chocolate chip when I it love, starts to melt is nasty. I love this logic. I've never heard this before, but it makes perfect sense. Right? Perfect Absolutely. Sense. Think about your favorite ice cream. That's why... You know, the cookie dough ice cream still has that consistency as it starts to soften. It, it's a little better. I think we're but, out of time. I think we got to go to commercial <laughs> yeah. break. Uh, Boys, thanks for hopping on. Me. Jason, you going to take care? We're <laughs> yeah. That's I good. apologize, bro. That's good. I, but you're always going to get an answer. You ask me a question, I'm always going to give you an answer. <laughs> got to respect that. God, uh, well, Greg M. Singer of MLB Network, thank you so much. I know, like I said, we we went a little long, but I mean, I could w Nate, I can speak for Nate and myself. We could talk to you for hours. This has been <laughs> awesome. We've thoroughly well, enjoyed it. Imagine being my wife. Oh my goodness, poor, <laughs> the poor woman doesn't get a word in. It's it's. I'm a chatty Kathy. I apologize, Does, everyone. When I'm on a radio, because they're so tight, I I mean, the radio host, I go over every single top of the hour and. It's as long as it's entertaining, they don't get too upset. So I try to, I try to, you know, have a good time. Well, I think we did that today. Absolutely. We appreciate, appreciate it. Greg. That. Thanks, man. You guys got it. Take care. Nate, our conversation with Greg Amsinger. I would like to think that people now understand having listened to that quality, quality interview. Why? The dude is just uh, per personally like like you and I both said one of our favorites, if not the favorite. Yeah, he was awesome, and the story the story with Jason Worth, dude. I I will never ever forget that story. I will never forget that story, and I I always knew I kind of disliked him, and I didn't know why. Now I know why. This is confirmation. Yeah, I mean the fact that he just opened up and. <laughs> the pettiness. I didn't expect that at all. How did that come up again? We didn't even bring it up. Yeah, no, you asked him about what his worst moment 
Oh, that's right. On set was. And then he's like, boys, do I have a story for you? <laughs> and I was just like, give they it to me, Greg. Give it to me. I can't. Yeah. I just, I've never really turned my back to another person ever. In the middle yeah, I mean, of anywhere, much less what, on TV. What are we doing? What an idiot. And, I mean, Greg calls it like it is. And the fact that, I mean, he's not going to give you a line of BS. If that's what happened, that's what happened. Yeah. I need, I need to go back. I didn't I think we got to find it. We need to find it. We need to find it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, one of my favorite segments probably w- would have had to have been the mean tweets, reading off the mean tweets to him, letting him get a <laughs> kick out of that. The fact that the dude has no social media is yeah. comical in and of itself. You would just think a personality like that would just feed off. I of know. The energy I think he'd kill on. it. He would, but I mean, respect to him, especially nowadays. Like, I don't blame him. Like, yeah. Social media is a, a jungle. Overrated. Um, and the, if Dan Plesak grows out his sideburns on national television, I am 1,000% taking credit for that. And I hope Greg mentions it on air because, I mean, Greg's, they're just perfect. Sideburns are always money. And then Dan Plesak's are like just gone. They're hidden. Tucked away. I'm sure he ran that by him. <laughs> you think so? I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, cause it, he, he told us, he's like, I love coming up with the wacky stuff, which that <laughs> oh, was another about, thing. I was like, the, it makes the Herald sense. And Dan never talking to each other. Yeah, what, was, what was that? <laughs> what was that? I, that was again, another thing where I'm going to have to go back and look. Cause I'm just like, there's no yeah. way, but I guarantee you that's what it, that's, that's the case. If you go back and look, I it. think he said he's he's back on next week. He's done with his vacation next week. And I'm sure. What did he say? The, be, he said like the 18th. I think the 18th is when he said he's back. So yeah, that's a Monday. That would make sense. Okay. Yeah. So we'll be back. Yeah. No, I, and I want to watch and I want to see. If if Harold and uh, and Dan Fleesack are on there together with them. Oh, I'm I'm setting up shop Monday night when MLB <laughs> Tonight comes on. I'm gonna have my popcorn and all that. Um, that's gonna be fun. And I and hopefully, like we do with all these things, with, with these interviews that we bring you guys. Hopefully, now you can look at the personality. You can look at the individual. Uh, you can look at him through a different lens now. You can be like, hey, that he, he's our friend. He's my friend. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. We like him a little bit better than we did before. And that's just one of the many reasons that we continue to do these things for you guys. And we hope that that's kind of the uh, outcome for for a lot of these people. Like, sure, there's going to be people that you just don't really like or what have you. But, I mean, it's going to be kind of hard to have listened to this and not like great game singer moving forward. I mean, who doesn't? Who The fact that he said that, he's like, yeah, there's people that just hate me and they flip the channel when I come on. I'm just like... Greg, I don't think that's the case. People love you. Like <laughs> what well, that that tweet that was like Harold's awesome, Dan is hilarious, Greg is okay. Yeah, Greg, Greg's <laughs> all right. Greg's all right. The analysis from those two are, are, is just superb. Greg Greg's okay. He look <laughs> he looks nice in a suit. That's fine. How many suits did he say? 86? No, it wasn't that many. Was it? I, I think thought it was in, in the, the 80s, bro. No, it was in the 20s, I thought. Was no. it in the 80s? Yikes. It was deep. Was it really? I don't I think it was in the 80s. I mean, we recorded last week with him, so I, I'm a little... Yeah, it's been a hot minute since we listened to it. A little but, rusty on it, but that's a lot. I mean, 20, 20 suits is, is still a lot. I uh, Your boy just picked his uh his first nice one up. I actually got a 
just bought that. Where are you going to a wedding? Going so I was I was gonna say, where are you gonna be going? Yeah, to I'm going to a wedding and it's it's formal. So I was like, I might as well get a new suit. I've never I've never really bought a new suit before. So it's not like I went to like. I can't, see, I can't even name like a fancy suit place. I went to Men's Warehouse. It's nothing crazy. I am getting it tailored though. So Michael Michael Scott worked at Men's Warehouse. <laughs> he was a greeter. Uh, Nate, that's all I got, man. This one was deep, and for those of you that made it all the way through, much love to you. You, yeah, you much love. Hope it was worth one. it. Like Kyle mentioned before, we are um, going to do our best to get back to a little bit of a normal schedule for us um, and start running two days a week. Now that we're getting closer to the you know spring training starting and you know some free agent moves are starting to happen, some trades, there are some things that we can talk about and cover and you know we'll run through teams and we may um, you know just kind of highlight certain teams a little bit more than others, but you know we're doing what you guys are doing. We're, we're anxious for content. We're waiting for stuff to come out and we want to talk about it. And, you know, we're, we're eventually just going to get back to a little bit of a normal thing, you know, get back to DMS, allow you guys to hit us up a little bit more. And, um, yeah, we're just going to get back into the swing of things. We're almost there. We really are like we're halfway through January this off season. I'm not going to lie. has cruised through a little bit quicker than the last. Yeah. I'm sitting here thinking like, wow, do we really have a month until the rumors start of spring training? Holy yeah. cow. We're close, man. I love it. Yeah. I absolutely love it. Well, Nate, that, my friend, is all I have for this one. Yeah. And you guys know the drill. Um, even when you feel like it, even if it's somewhat tempting, even if you just can't help yourself. Don't go chasing curveballs. We love y'all. And as always, looking forward to talking more baseball with you guys soon. Until next time, stay filthy.